Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello and welcome back to another episode. Today is the 2022 Singapore Grand Prix preview episode, baby. It's been a few weeks since Monza, but we're going to get back into it with Singapore at the Marina Bay Street Circuit. So first I'll get into the track and its history. We got the Marina Bay Street Circuit, as I already kind of mentioned. Track itself is 5.063 kilometers in length, 3.146 miles. And the Grand Prix will be contested over 61 laps, or 308.706 kilometers, which is 191.821 miles in total. The track contains 23 turns, 14 to the left and 9 to the right, with 3 DRS zones throughout the circuit. One DRS zone goes down the main pitch straight. The second one is between turns 5 and 7. The little kink in the middle is considered turn 6, even though it's probably not more than a 30 degree shift. And the final stretch with DRS is between turns 13 and 14. Originally coming onto the scene in 2008, uh, not much concerning the track has changed since the original Singapore Grand Prix here, besides the removal of the Singapore Sling Chicane, which if you listen to my Race Rewind tomorrow, I kind of go a little more in depth, but basically was known as slinging cars off into the barrier when they miscalculated the chicane. Between the bumpy street, cir- or between, <laughs> excuse me, we're a minute and a half back and I've already messed up. Between the bumpy street conditions and humid air conditions in the city, Singapore is one of the most physically demanding circuits on the calendar. Add in the 23 corners and the limited rest in between, sawing at the wheel, and the drivers don't get much of a break throughout the race on Sunday. So, some storylines from the last race and the little mini uh, season break that we had here. Um, considering Red Bull as double world champions. Max Verstappen to leave Singapore with 130-point lead, Red Bull to leave with a 220-point lead from Singapore. Those are the standards required to crown the Milton Keynes outfit double world champions after this weekend's Grand Prix. Red Bull is currently ahead of Ferrari by 139 points in the constructors, Verstappen ahead of Leclerc by 116 points in the drivers. Verstappen's second driver's title is inevitable, but it also looks the likely to happen here in Singapore, more likely than the Red Bull Constructors' Championships. Mathematically, Red Bull can't even win the Constructors here, but easily can be done next time out in Japan, where that magic number turns down for leaving Suzuka for a 176-point advantage over second place. Also, coming from the mini-season break that we had, some new upgrades possibly coming for Singapore. Three weeks in between Monza and Singapore lends itself to the teams looking to improve their cars from the top of the grid to the bottom. Alpine are planning to bring a new floor, one of the teams that consistently is doing that throughout the season at the beginning, middle, and now towards the end. Um, And Red Bull, which have rubbished off their lighter new chassis from Christian Horner's mouth at Monza. We'll have to see if they still bring some sort of upgrade there. I haven't seen anything official yet. Um, one thing I have seen is that Ferrari are said to be bringing updates to the floor and wings for Singapore, with more updates planned for later on in the season. Ferrari sees Singapore as a great chance to end Max Verstappen's win streak at 5. The other target for the second batch of upgrades to the car 
is Mexico for Ferrari, even if it's too late to challenge for the constructor's title this season. The full report goes on to say that Ferrari are turning their main focus to the 2023 title challenging car, but are trying to put some upgrades on this year's car to see how next year's car could handle with those given bits. Excuse me. So my main takeaway from this is just seeing who will, what will be the biggest or most useful upgrade throughout the weekend. Alpine's four, if Red Bull bring a chassis upgrade still. Ferrari's four and wings. If someone else brings something major that we're not talking about yet, it'll be interesting to see which upgrade takes precedent. Some storylines for this particular race. We have more silly season drama. I only have to mention it every single podcast because everything keeps happening, but more silly season drama. Nick DeVries is rumored with every open seat in Formula 1 at the moment. Alpha Tauri, Alpine, and Williams are all in on DeVries after his debut race at Monza scoring points. Um, Alpine, speaking of which, um, hosted an audition-style test session with their shortlist of replacements for Fernando Alonso. There was no confirmed list for this audition of sorts. Um, but drivers such as Nick DeVries, as I already mentioned, Mick Schumacher, Jack Doohan, Colton Herta, and even Sebastian Vettel were rumored to be taking a uh, part in this. Um, I kind of would like to go through this list and just say why I don't believe any of them or why they would be bad fits. Um, like Nick DeVries, I could see happening maybe, but at the same time, he's rumored with every seat. So until like something for sure happens, he's also being rumored with Alpha Tauri after he had a meeting with uh, Helmut Marco. So, I mean, he's rumored with every seat. I'm going to take him off completely just because there's so many other options for him. Uh, Mick Schumacher sounds like he might not even be in Formula 1 at all next season without some major improvements throughout the rest of this season. Jack Doohan is part of the Alpine Academy, which Laurent Rossi uh, said he was thinking about getting rid of because I didn't write this in here. This is just kind of me speaking off the top of my head here. But uh, Laurent Rossi, the CEO of Alpine, said, um, what's the point of having a driver academy when other teams save the money and not having one and just poach the drivers out from under you when it's time for them to come up? So Jack Dewan is one of the members of the Alpine Driver Academy, which they might just sack off after a couple of seasons when they don't have any commitments left. Um, he's a really raw talent. He started out kind of slow in F2 this season, but he's turned it up late. I can't say off the top of my head whether I'm sure he's won a race or two, gotten a pole or two, but he hasn't been spectacular over the entire course of the season. He's just kind of just turning it up now towards the end. Um, Colton Herta sounds like he's gotten the plug pulled. I'll get into him in a minute, but his Formula One uh, dream kind of seems like the plug has been pulled for now. And Sebastian Vettel has already announced he's retiring, and I doubt without giving him a championship title uh, contending car, he's going to even second guess like for a second that he's even going to come back i saw that i mean we all saw the announcement of his retirement how much it meant to him how long he not drew it out but how much he had to say it wasn't just for substance it was definitely how he felt i don't see him coming back and i don't think he would even take part in this <laughs> it seems ridiculous to me but anyway speaking of colton herda uh, Red Bull have reportedly scrapped their pursuit of bringing Herda to AlphaTauri next season to replace Pierre Gasly. Uh, reports say that the team cannot find a way to make up his points for the super license qualifications in time to take part in the next season. Uh, Herda himself has come out and said he didn't want to upset anyone or make anyone mad about it, but he didn't think that the FIA wanted to do that for him anyways, specifically bending the rules just for one person to join. He didn't think FIA wanted to take part in that. Um, 
the only solution to his um, super license points that I have read would be him uh, taking part in an FP1 session every single weekend the rest of the season and then having to find some uh, shoddy um, off-the-road competitive FIA-regulated series to run throughout the winter. The one thing I heard was like uh, the Indian F3 or something like that would be something that he would have to take part in and that would be banking on him like winning it just to get enough points to get in and Red Bull don't want to wait until February to know if they're for sure going to have their driver or not so it sounds like the move for now at least has been scrapped um yeah not much more on that one but uh next a little piece of silly season news Felipe Drogovic signed with Aston Martin's Driver Academy. He is this season's Formula 2 champion and will join the Silverstone outfit as a developmental piece. He's a sure set of gloves who could potentially slide into Alonso's seat in a couple years' time when he retires or leaves, should he be that patient. I don't think Drogovic is going to be poached like any other <laughs> Academy drivers this season. Um, he's just really a sure set of hands. He can pull out a fast lap, but he's also consistent, but he's not like a Charles Leclerc in F2 or a Mick Schumacher in F2 or someone that you watched him race and you went, he's special. He's just the best of the bunch right now down in F2. Uh, last little bit of silly season news. Daniel Ricciardo has said he is okay if he has no ride in 2023. Danny Rick said he could race next season, but he won't be too proud to sit out if the situation isn't right for him. There's still that rumored clip going around with Sergio Perez where Ricardo appears to say, I'll sit out 23 and come back in 24. Many people are linking him to the Mercedes reserve drive if Nick DeVries were to leave it open, but many others think if Ricardo hasn't signed yet that he may just take a year away from racing, which could result in him being out of F1 permanently. Teams are unlikely to call him back should he take a year away from racing completely, like even when Fernando Alonso left on his sabbatical a few years ago. He uh, still raced IndyCar, Le Mans. He still did other stuff to take the time up. He wasn't just out sitting on a beach or relaxing with his family for an entire year and then came back and was like, all right, let's go. That wasn't how it went. So if Danny Rick takes an entire year out, I do not see him coming back to Formula One. Now, Formula One in totality, the 2023 schedule is out if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, Monaco is remaining on the calendar and has a deal in place to stay until 2025 at least. Uh, China is returning next season, but with an asterisk. If anything changes politically or with their COVID-19 policy, F1 will not be there. They're one of the countries that is still having major problems controlling, containing, doing anything with COVID, really. Anytime they have a COVID-0 lockdown and open back up, they have another outbreak and close back down. Um, the political problem is kind of the same thing as the Ukraine and Russia, where China is kind of threatening Taiwan, but we're not going to get into that because it's an F1 broadcast or podcast sorry but um so if anything changes with china i've read the f1 uh board and everybody involved is not keen to be there should anything change in the landscape in china from where it is right now uh some other tracks joining we have qatar returning to the calendar and the las vegas race which will be one of only 74 formula one races to be held on a day that's not named sunday Yes, every single day of the week has hosted a championship Grand Prix, but 74 total. I want to say when I read originally was the sixth Sunday night or Saturday night race is Las Vegas, but I'm, don't quote me on that. I couldn't find more than one piece to say that, so I can't for sure confirm that, but still um, interesting to see. 
Um, some other details that I noticed on the calendar is that there's two triple headers in the season. One at the start is Imola, Monaco, and Barcelona uh, going May 21st at Imola, May 28th at Monaco, and June 4th at Barcelona, and a triple header at the end of the season where we have USA, Mexico, and Brazil um, before a two-week break and a return to Las Vegas, by the way. Um, but anyways, USA in Texas is October 24th, or 22nd, October 29th is Mexico, and November 5th is Brazil. Like I said, then you have a two-week break, come back for Las Vegas. Um, also, another thing I noticed was a lot of the early schedule has a week break in between races, not double headers like this season started with, like um, the first two races this year, we had Bahrain and Saudi went back-to-back. Um, I can't think of the other next two off the top of my head. It was Australia and Imola, I think, back-to-back. This season, there's a week break until... Um, the first back-to-back weekend is Baku and Miami, which are the fifth and sixth races of the year, respectively. So that was another little detail I noticed. But anyways, over that, um, the other storyline I have to follow throughout this weekend is that Mercedes are yet to win this season. It can't be ignored, really, but the Silver Arrows are still winless in 2022. But many people think that Singapore could be a great chance for them to take their maiden victory. Lewis Hamilton himself said he thinks that Mercedes' best chances to win are at Singapore, Coda, and Interlagos. So I thought, you know, some of these race previews have been short lately. So let's add in a little thing where I'm, I'm going to rank out the schedule or lay out the schedule for you and tell you where I think they could win, rank them for you, and kind of give my explanation as to why. So we're going to go in order of the races. We obviously have Singapore next. Uh, Marina Bay. It, Street Circuit is an in-between of Monaco, Baku, Jeddah, kind of like different parts and pieces. Has some longer straights than Monaco, but it's more technical and higher downforce than Baku. Neither of those two circuits were particularly great for Mercedes, though. Uh, Baku being the track that uh, Hamilton got out of the car and had major back pain. Um, Overall, I think Mercedes will be the second fastest car here. Behind who, I couldn't say right now. It kind of depends on the upgrades and, you know, how good is Max Verstappen going to be. Uh, <laughs> but the uneven surface and the bouncing doesn't help their case. Um, without reliability issues, I think it's just a podium here. And this was even a bogey track for Mercedes when they were dominating everything, so I don't expect too great of things here. Um, I'll go back through after I'm done and tell you how I rank them in the likelihood of them getting the win there. But, um, yeah, not great chances at Singapore, I don't think. Next on the calendar, we got Japan. Uh, Suzuka is a sneaky one for me. I could be way off base on this, but this is just kind of my thought process. Suzuka is somewhat of a power circuit, but there's not really long straights. Like the DRS zone is shorter than a lot of others, and the longest straight on the circuit is undulating. Like you go really downhill, come back uphill the rest of the way. Um, that's when you come out a spoon curve and down towards 130R. Otherwise, the rest of the circuit is medium and high speed corners all the way around and not like long straights. You know, like you're always setting up for the next corner, like with bends and stuff. There's only like really one true long straight. <laughs> That's really it. Um, here, I think Mercedes will be a closer second fastest car, probably behind the Red Bull, as you can imagine. Uh, but I personally think that the performance will be closer to the results of Zandvoort than other tracks. Lewis Hamilton typically has been good here. Um, I don't think it might not be a win here, but I think they're going to be closer to achieving that top step of the podium. I could easily see him taking two-thirds of the podium if Ferrari have an off day. 
but I still think it's not guaranteed a good win. Uh, next, we have USA, a race I'm going to be at. Can't wait for that, by the way. Uh, Circuit of the Americas seems to be one of the agreed-upon best bets for Mercedes. Uh, they've dominated most years here, either clinching titles for Hamilton and winning the pole. You know, everything tends to go right for the Brackley-based team in Austin. Uh, my thoughts for this season... Sectors 1 and 3 lend itself to the Ferraris and Mercedes cars, but Sector 2 is a whole bit of longer straights or more straightforward parts. Um, I think, you know, um, Sector 2 being less technical, um, the Sectors 1 and 3 are going to need to be maximized for Mercedes to have their best shot. They're going to jump on every opportunity given to them at Austin to get the job done there. But I definitely think it is possible. Um, Verstappen won here last year, and it's hard to see him losing really any race throughout the rest of the season. But I think this is as close. This is really close to the best shot that Mercedes have in terms of just straight circuits to getting the job done. Um, the circuit's been repaved, and two thirds of the track, like I said, fits them better than the competition. I'll say it's going to be another podium, but I can't for sure say I see them winning at this race. Here's a really short one because I think it's as straightforward as it can get. Mexico, uh, it's Red Bull special here. They may dominate enough to orchestrate a Checo Perez win. That's how much I think that they're going to dominate. I don't see any chance for Mercedes or really even Ferrari unless their upgrade packages are astounding. Even come close to winning this race. I'll say both Mercedes get a top six, but I don't even see them getting a podium here without some crazy result. Um, next, we got Brazil. Interlagos, I mean, this one has to be it to me. There's only one really long straight and a second one that's about half as long and a bunch of twisty bits for the rest of the lap with the undulating sectors and no real overtaking spots outside of the straights. Um, if there are engine penalties or Mercedes qualify well, I could see them winning this race quite easily, but that in itself is much easier said than done. Uh, beating Max Verstappen or Charles Leclerc in qualifying may be more difficult than winning the race itself. Um, once you get out in front in Interlagos, as long as you have engine power, uh, batteries built up, fuel to burn off, um, whatever you can to go as fast as possible down these straights, you can pretty well defend for the rest of the lap because it's long straight, next straight, um, intermediate straight that kind of bends three or four times before you get to the next braking zone, and then it's just a bunch of twisty bits until you get back to the long straight. So definitely one of the easier circuits to defend on. If they got out front or there were engine penalties to Ferrari or Red Bull and Mercedes started out front, I could see them holding the front and winning. But otherwise, I think it's going to be challenging. But I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. Lewis Hamilton will win the Brazilian Grand Prix. I see it there. That's If you don't know already, I mean, I can give it away. That's my best chance for Mercedes to win. Last race of the season is Abu Dhabi. Say Interlagos doesn't work out and they get all the way to Abu Dhabi without a victory. I don't think they're going to get it. Last season, they were the better car, at least, you know, between Lewis and Max. Uh, but this is a whole new set of regulations and Red Bull had aced them. And did I mention there's two massive straights and they removed the chicanes from the circuit before last year's race? I mean, more high-speed areas and fewer heavy braking zones sounds just like what Red Bull want. Ferrari may even be better than Mercedes as well at the circuit. I'll say for the end of the season, we end with one of each of the top three constructors on the podium, but not a Mercedes driver on the top step. So anyways, I'm going to go and rank them for you in case you kind of just want to skip through that. Um, best chance for me is Brazil. Next, best USA. Then Japan. 
Singapore, uh, Abu Dhabi, and Mexico in that order for me is the Mercedes chances to win. But, man, it's going to take something crazy, I think. Now we're going to go back to the Singapore Grand Prix now. My weekend predictions for the 2022 Singapore Grand Prix at the Marina Bay Street Circuit. My first prediction is Nicholas Latifi or Lance Stroll will bring out the safety car during the Grand Prix. Latifi is one for a close barrier. Loves going up and touching those things. Uh, Check out the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix or last year's Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And Stroll is one of the most unaware drivers in the paddock. Check collisions with Albon and Latifi during practice and races and some other near misses throughout any session so far this season. Um, Now factor in that this track is one to have at least one safety car per race, and boom, my prediction sounds solid. My next prediction is that Ferrari will take two-thirds of the podium. I've kind of alluded to it already. I think Mercedes will be the second-ish fastest car this weekend, but I think Ferrari will be the fastest. They certainly should be. So I'll say after a two-season hiatus that the Ferraris that won in 2019 will hold the majority of the podium at least this season. I'm not going to say they're going to win for sure, but just going to say they have two out of the three steps on the podium occupied. My next prediction is that Sergio Perez will finish outside the top five. I see both Ferraris, both Mercedes, and his teammate Max Verstappen ahead of him at least. With other teams upgrading and Red Bull going all aboard the Verstappen development train, Checo might be out of good finishes for a good chunk of the rest of the season. Um, My next one, we got Haas to have one car in Q3 and one car in the points. I think I did the same pick in Zandvoort, but I'm going to ride it again, baby. Basing their car off of the Ferrari, Haas should be poised to have a good weekend here, whether it's with K-Mag or Mick. Doesn't matter to me, I just think one's going to be in Q3, one's going to get points. Could be the same, could be different. My last prediction both AlphaTauris to be out before Q3 and neither to score points. One driver has been outperforming the car at each race lately, and it's never been the same driver. So I'll say this track is out of the comfort zone of the driver and for the car itself to struggle here. I don't see any points for Red Bull's sister team, AlphaTauri. My podium prediction for this race, I'm going to say Charles Leclerc is going to win, Max Verstappen P2, and Carlos Sainz P3. I think Ferrari bring updates to this race, and the major Red Bull upgrade that was supposed to be a lighter chassis was rubbished by the team principal last time out. Christian Horner just flat out saying no upgrade like that was imminent at all. Um, I think Ferrari will uh, maybe not catch Red Bull sleeping, because I mean Red Bull could have upgrades too, but I think Ferrari bringing upgrades to a track that they should already be dominant on. I'll take Ferrari to win, and for my prediction, obviously... We need signs on the podium, so I'll say Leclerc, Verstappen, signs. Anyways, this has been my 2022 Singapore Grand Prix preview. Uh, Let me know what you think. If you enjoyed, subscribe, like, follow, five stars. Any kind of engagement is appreciated. I will talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.